The Braving Business Podcast is brought to you by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit and have been in the domestic and international logistics and transportation field for over three decades. Are you looking to ship literally anything, direct to consumer or business to business, small package, pallet and freight, truckload, international air and ocean, warehousing and distribution, and so much more? Let's connect. Go to shipwithpj.com to learn more. That's shipwithpj.com. And now for the show. PJ, what happened today? You were late. <sighs> I'm braving business, man. I'm, uh, you are, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, juggle a bunch of things. So, you know, mm-hmm. being the, being the, the head of a company means that, uh, you know, you have to be accountable and yeah. when things go wrong and when something happens, you're gonna, you have to, you know, come back to the customer head, hat, hat in hand and basically say, very sorry, know your pain. Uh, that's our fault. We're going to make it right. And then do whatever you can to build that trust. And, and so that was, I apologize. We, we have no timetable for when those things happen. And uh, unfortunately it happened right before I was getting on this. So I think it's, I think it's all good. All right. They're well, great customers. Fortunately, so. Alex, our guest was uh, extremely patient. Uh, I was oh. the one, a lot of the bitching and moaning. She was fine. So no, uh, but like, isn't it I always like, okay. Always the day you've got a lot going on that like something blows up that you like you had such a meticulously planned day yep. and then it's like oh bomb sorry <laughs> inevitably <laughs> to get a ton done right. anyways yeah the whole Murphy's law thing <laughs> absolutely I hear you I hear you <laughs> well all so right PJ are you ready to get it started I am ready to get it started because we're okay, very all right very excited to have Alex West Steinman on today she is an award winning entrepreneur speaker co founder and partner of the Coven one of the first co-working spaces for women, non-binary, and trans people in the world. Alex has been blazing trails for more than a decade across advertising, communications, and digital business. She's been recognized as a 40 Under 40 award winner, a Forbes 1000 list, Inc., an Inc. Magazine 100 female founder, and many others. She's all over the place. It's awesome. Alex, it's an honor to have you on the Braving Business Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Alex, um, I got to tell you, you were one of the guests that I was most excited uh, to meet with because what you do actually touches me personally. Um, I'm the father of a, of a gay, gender nonconforming uh, service member. My daughter is in the U.S. Navy, petty officer mm-hmm. in the U.S. Navy, and I'm very, very proud of her. Amazing. And uh, I know how hard um, people in, in that community, um, um, the, the hardships that they face. And yeah. uh, so... As and we'll learn a lot more about the coven, but I'd love for you to, you know, uh, tell us what it was about this community um, that inspired you and inspired. Uh, and obviously, you're not just about uh, members of the transgender community or gay community, but also about empowering women. So, in yeah. general, your mission, your vision is to empower those who need empowerment, which I think is beautiful. Talk to me about what got you interested in that. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for your child service and thank you for raising such an amazing human um, to go and and uh, be, a, be of service. So one, thank you for that. Um, and two, um, I, I think one thing that's really been important to me my entire life has been empowering women. Um, so as a 
you know, high schooler, I was mentoring women as a college student, I was mentoring women and teaching them how to get into college and how to get jobs. And um, the other thing I've really been passionate about my entire life is work. I really love working, which is like such a weird thing to say, but it kind of makes sense. I, not, not for entrepreneurs. That's, that's sort of the, yeah. Well, and I co-founded a co-working business, right? That's so right. I, mean, I love, Perfect. love work. So, um, you know, my first job, I was like 12 and answering my dad's insurance business phones, you know, um, as his receptionist, um, you know, Ted West office, how can I help you? <laughs> um, and so I've always been just like passionate about helping other people and connecting folks with the resources that they need. Um, and this is one avenue for that. Our business is centered on the experiences of women, non-binary and trans people, because we as co-founders, there's four of us, all experienced, um, you know, discrimination in the workplace, all the experienced, you know, a lack of belonging and a lack of um, trajectory in our careers um, and a lack of having a true voice in the workplace. So we might have been leaders in our organization, but we weren't necessarily leading um, or we weren't necessarily having a voice at the table, at the leadership table where it really mattered for the business. And so where we decided just to create the world that we wish existed, um, we created a space that's open to all genders, which is really exciting because I think the um, the idea of having a space that's centered on the experiences of women, non-binary and trans people, but open to all um, gives people an experience of what is it like to experience intersectionality? What is it like to experience um, an environment that was built with our most marginalized communities in mind? Um, because truly, when you center women, when you center marginalized communities, like we all win, right? So we all uh, we all get to experience what it's like to um, belong and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So the idea for the business was kind of a culmination of a group of us getting together consistently and talking about what can we build together um, to make the world better? What can we build together to solve for the future of work? And seven years ago, um, the coven uh, became became a thing. And, and here we are seven years later, surviving a pandemic and beyond. <laughs> That's, uh, that is amazing. I, first of all, um, kudos to, first of all, Tal, kudos to your daughter, uh, who's doing amazing service for us. And, and thank you for her service, obviously. And also kudos to you for being a great dad. Um, I also have a daughter who's pan, who, who has come out as pan. And so obviously I'm, I'm vested in, in this, um, in this type of conversation anyway. So I think that, uh, Alex, your work is amazing. I was lucky enough to be a part of a DE or I was co-chair at a DEI initiative, um, before in, in a corporate setting. And so learning about intersectionality and learning about how all these disparate groups can work together and how to make sure that everyone has a voice and everyone has a seat at the table and, and how that really, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Right. So having that, that broad base, um, not only accountability, but intention of, of having everyone there and present and, and contributing is so important. So, um, and welcomed. Yeah. And welcome, Feeling obviously. Welcomed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, that's, and that's the thing, right? You have to make them feel like not only do they, deserve to have a seat at the table, but that they are an active and, um, you know, a, an excellent, uh, person at the table so that yeah. every, everyone's, uh, you know, honored, which is, yeah. which is so, so Absolutely. Cool. I think one thing we hear from a lot of our members is like, gosh, I've never felt cared for in the workplace before. And I've never felt like, 
um, I deserved a space so beautiful before. And so that comes from like all walks of life. So people who have been senior executives in the workplace and people who are experiencing poverty both have an experience potentially of feeling like they don't belong in the environment that they're in, regardless of socioeconomics, race, gender, um, and, and beyond. And so I think this is really exciting to to bring people together in a in an environment that makes them feel a sense of belonging um, and where they can really see themselves thriving. Um, and, and we do that through a number of ways, through co-working, through our digital community, through um, insights that we provide other organizations. So there's just like lots of ways that we've been able to kind of solve for this kind of new inclusive future of work that I hope we're all marching towards. Oh, that's awesome. So with your background, well, first of all, I want to ask, you, you mentioned that you were involved in mentoring, you know, from sounds like pretty young. Um, what led you to that? Who, who was that example that you were following or, or how did you get into that? Yeah, well, there's some really influential women in my life, um, through, you know, high school. And, um, there's a few who I could point to and say, you know, big thank you to them for, for changing my life and changing the trajectory of, of where I was headed. I think, um, you know, I had, because I've been passionate about work, because I've been passionate about entrepreneurship and leadership my entire life, it's been, um, you know, the things that I've pursued have helped me develop a sense of leadership, have helped me find ways to mentor other people. And so like at a very early age, I had an internship for like four summers over the course of um, most of college um, where I would go and work in an, in a corporate office and, you know, was a part of a team. Um, I was flown out to New York a few times to do like intern work and leadership development with the other interns from across the country. So there were lots of opportunities that like set me up for success, like doing resume classes, doing, taking classes on, you know, how to interview well. Um, and I felt, I've always felt like that knowledge that I was, you know, given and lucky enough and privileged enough to like be a part of those experiences, like shouldn't just be for me. <laughs> and so I always try to take like, what have I learned in this experience and how can I share that with other people? So I do a lot of like, you know, even just casual conversation with a lot of our members, a lot of people who reach out are asking for entrepreneurial support. Um, and that's just something that I love to do. I think it's kind of like second nature. I don't really think of it as like, I'm a part of a mentor program where I try to meet with, you know, six people a month. That For me, it's just like, if you call and ask me for help, I'm going to give you what I have. And hopefully you can take something away from that and share that with the next person. I think like that's our responsibility as humans is to share our knowledge with one another. And, and that way our next generation is set up for success. Sure. Pay it forward. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're saying that. And I think that, uh, you know, that's a, a great takeaway for anyone that's listening or, or watching us. Um, there's always an opportunity to touch lives. Um, yeah. If you're in a position of leadership or you're an entrepreneur or you're just someone that uh, has experienced life. Absolutely. And there are people in your path who you can tell would benefit from uh, learning from your wisdom, hearing about your experiences, or just having someone listening to them with respect. Um, yeah. You can you can touch lives in ways that are profound. None of us know the journey other people are traveling. Yeah. Um, and and all it takes is a kind word and a nod and and being present to meaningfully change lives. So I, I commend you on, on what you're doing. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you one like fun story about that, yeah, like something sure. similar to that. So I was um, at a coffee shop in St. Paul. Um, I live in Minneapolis. So I was on the other side of the river for those of you who understand the Twin Cities. Um, but we were, I was in St. Paul 
walked into a coffee shop. I knew it was owned by a new entrepreneur, um, a black woman, was so excited to try it out. It's called the Flavor Cafe. Um, and so I ordered my drink. I saw the owner back there. And so I was kind of like, you know, waiting for her to come out. She actually came out after um, I was like packing up and getting ready to go. And she was like, hey, I want you to know that I visited your first coven location and had a conversation with you. And I was like, I don't know that we've ever met. And she said, she said, well, we had this great conversation. I attended maybe an event. Um, and that was like a really core piece of why I was able to start my business. You know, and this was like five years later. Um, and I like, again, like, like you said, you never know who you, who you connect with. And there's a lot of things that like, I meet a lot of people throughout my day and I might not like remember the impact that I have, but to have that, some, that person come back and say like, whatever I said five years ago, which uh, hopefully it was intelligent, (laughs) um, helped them, you know, launch their business or get started or triggered something in them, um, to be able to take that leap of, of faith into entrepreneurship, like, that is why I do this work. And so to hear some of those, you know, success stories years later is, um, is amazing. We don't always have like those tangible metrics of like, oh, I had one conversation and then they did this. And so it's helpful to have those like little data points for you as you go along your, in your career or life, even just to know that you're, you're making an impact. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you were, so you mentioned you're in Minneapolis. I understand that you were, um, working as the director of communications for a mayoral candidate there. So you've been in the, you've been in the public spectrum. You've also been in the private spectrum had, um, and you've had success in both. How did you kind of weigh those two experiences when you were looking at doing something completely out of the box, or at least at that time, completely out of that box with the coven? Yeah, well, you know, my career in um, corporate America, which is more kind of advertising agency um, land, I mean, that's like really where I cut my teeth as a professional. So like really understanding the inner workings of an organization, negotiations and strategy, how to tell a brand story, like all of those types of things were like a part of my, you know, early DNA as a, as a you know career woman. And so it was exciting to kind of be a part of that that agency culture at the time. Um, but it was also like fairly toxic, right? So like, you know, showering at work because I like stayed there all night <laughs> and then have to like pitch at 9 a.m. Like that's not healthy. Um, becoming a parent and not feeling supported by, um, you know, your co- your colleagues or your boss or those types of things. Like that, that's not healthy either. Um, feeling like or receiving feedback that, you know, your voice is not... Um, you know, you're not loud enough. You're not, um, you know, gregarious enough. You're not like participating in like fun things, you know, like happy hours, whatever. But then when I do participate in those things and I do like stand up for, you know, what I believe or stand up for other people in my organization, then I'm too loud. You know, I'm too, (laughs) I'm too opinionated. So like, there's, there's no, um, I had a really hard time finding my voice and finding my value in that space. And what, um, was interesting at the time when I was asked to join a political campaign, um, the first one that I was asked to join was actually for a, a city council candidate. Um, and then at the, in that same <laughs> election cycle was also asked to run a mayoral candidate's um, campaign. So I did both while also working at the agency for a little bit um, for about half a year until I left the agency um, and also started the coven. And so there's been like this interesting progression towards like, you know, being a communications director, having my own consulting firm where I am like actively supporting people who have my values, who um, I believe in, who um, 
have a vision for the future. Like that was so, um, so amazing and empowering. I mean, the people who I was working with were, were incredible humans. And like, I feel like I cut my teeth again when I got into politics where it's like, well, there's not like a strategy session and three weeks of revisions on this. This is just like, we just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, it's like so fast paced and move. It's faster than what, you know, people think advertising is a fast moving business. Like politics is a fast moving business and campaigns are a fast moving business. And I really enjoyed that, that element. And, you know, maybe someday would get back into that, to that work. I definitely needed like a, a break after that year. That was a lot. Um, that was also, you know, 2016 was a really um, challenging election time, time frame. 2017 was hard too. Um, so it was, it's been kind of a weird, interesting cycle um, in that space. And at that same time, I was starting to, um, you know, with my co-founders starting to craft what the coven would look like. We launched a crowdfunding campaign at the same time. So I like to have my hands in a lot of different things. Um, and I think I learned so much from the experience of, um, of being, um, like on my own as a, as a freelancer, um, or a consultant, because, you know, like you only have to answer to yourself. You obviously have your clients. Um, and you know, PJ, like you were talking about at the beginning, like sometimes you mess up and sometimes it's your fault and you got to own it. Um, but it was a, like, there's no other like teammates to be like, well, you know, you did <laughs> this is part of your fault or it was three weeks of revisions that made this, you know, late. And, um, so I it was really a practice in accountability as a practice in like, you know, owning up when you're wrong um, and like really advocating for like your knowledge. Like they, they hired you for a reason and, um, you know, you got to be able to say like, hey, like, no, like we should do that this way because like I've had experience in this. And um, but I learned a lot from a lot of the activists and and people who have been on the ground like way, way longer than I have. And um, I think coming out of that, like really felt a sense of like, oh, I found my voice. And like, I know, I know where my expertise lies. That's awesome. so, so let's talk about that. You're talking about finding your voice. And obviously, uh, and by the way, you're magnetic and you're very charismatic. Oh. And I, I'm, it's not at all shocking that you're successful. And um, for a lot of the listeners and viewers, I think what they're experiencing right now watching you is excitement about here's, here's somebody that's up and coming and doing great things. And you're showing a lot of confidence and, and a lot of uh, calm and control of yourself and your environment you you're you're so so since this podcast is actually about vulnerability and it's a, it's about yeah. overcoming and it's about perseverance i want to return us to the story behind the story right so we're hearing yeah. about alex the very very successful uh entrepreneur who is who's experienced great things who was someone wanted you to run a, a city council campaign another person wanted you to run a mayoral campaign uh people saw your talent people saw your light but Talk to us about vulnerability. And specifically, if you don't mind, I'd love to dive into the challenge of being a minority female entrepreneur. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. a first-generation American. I came here as an immigrant when I was 12. Uh, and I face some challenges with that. But I would imagine that you know uh, the challenges that you face, being female, being minority, also being a mom, uh, are probably unique. And I'd love for you to talk to, uh, to us about that. Um, what did you experience that maybe required you to really dig in, uh, find some... Uh, inner strength? Um, And how did you do it? Well, oftentimes, you know, I'm the only at the table um, from a number of perspectives. I think what's funny about that is like, I built a business where I'm like, not the only anymore. So I haven't had that experience in a while. But being the only at a table, you constantly have to like validate why you're there or that you bring value to this space um, or that you have to validate 
yourself almost sometimes. Um, and I think I've had, I've been really lucky to have some really phenomenal people in my life. Um, some great friends and, um, support systems that like help me return to who I am, um, pretty consistently. Um, and what do they do? How do they help? Oh gosh. Just like notes of affirmation, like a text message. That's like right when you need it, you know? So having somebody in your life, like a, what I, you know, somebody in my life calls it like a badass board of directors who you can text at any moment and say like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And, or I'm struggling with like, I feel like I'm not doing a good job, which is like the number one thing that you say to yourself as an entrepreneur, <laughs> like, I'm not doing a good job. I'm not doing enough. We're not making enough money. Like all of those types of things are things that, you know, I think cause like crippling, um, self doubt and having people in your life to be able to affirm who you are, um, or remind you who you are, um, remind you of the goodness, like even just like bumping into that coffee shop owner, right? Like that story I told, like, that's affirming to me that like, ah, I am doing the right thing. I think it's easy as an entrepreneur as myself to get really caught up in like, did we hit our numbers? Are, um, you know, are we raising enough money? I have a board meeting this afternoon. I got to prep that, like just getting, like being really, um, stuck in that space. And what I feel like is affirming to me is when I remember why I'm doing this, like really returning to why. Um, and it's because of the people, it's because of the connections, it's because of the mentorship and the work that's involved is affirming. Um, and I think when you get like sucked into like entrepreneurial spiral, which like you really, really can easily, um, it, it can take you out of it when you do depression. I mean, it takes Mm -hmm. the form of like deep, (laughs) deep sadness. It takes the form of like, disconnection from people. It takes the form of not taking care of myself by like, you know, not exercising, not eating right, not, um, or eating well, I should say, not, um, hydrating in the way that I should, um, you know, take the form of like too many glasses of wine in the evening. Like those are the types of things that I think entrepreneurs tend to like, um, like we find like what is self-soothing like immediately, um, And those things can be self-destructive. And so I think um, one thing that I'm really passionate about is like routine in my life, because so much of my life is not routine. I have two kids, I have seven and an eight-year-old. They are amazing and beautiful human beings, but they have lives of their own that I, uh, you know, am the CEO of as well. So like that's uncontrollable. Um, I have a husband who's also an entrepreneur that is uncontrollable and the work that he does and the emotion that he brings home. Um, there are a lot of things in the world that I can't control. And there are a lot of pieces of my business that I can't control. And so like, if I can control like a few things in my life, my business partner, Bethany always says like working out is the most, um, uh, kind of like routine thing that you can possibly do because it's, you could literally do the same thing every day. You pick up a weight and you put it down and like, then that task is done. (laughs) And so like as an entrepreneur, you don't have a lot of tasks that ever end. It's like you're raising money forever. You're constantly chasing a goal. You are, you know, fixing the toilets. You're cleaning the coffee machines. Like you're doing all of the things. You're consoling your employees. You're promoting people. None of that is ever over. And so having tasks that are like, uh, have an end date and are complete make me feel like I have succeeded. I'm a very inbox zero type person because I appreciate the achievement of a clean slate. Um, I'm the same. I, I hate going home uh, <laughs> at the end of the day with with more than a handful 
of emails in my inbox that, that I, I know made a conscious decision to deal with the next day as opposed to yeah. 20, 30, 40, and the uncertainty of what do I got going? That's, that's just too much stress, especially when you totally. got so many other things pulling at you. It really is. I mean, the state of the world is like really like, you know, the world's on fire and the air is poison. Like that's like, like I don't even know how to like <laughs> reconcile with some of that, you know, we're dealing with wildfire PJ, save smoke Save us. Here. Say something cheerful. <laughs> PJ's really good at saying something <laughs> PJ, cheerful. PJ, get us, we're getting get us dark. out of this. Oh, geez. Oh. Well, first of all, I was going to say, Alex, are you hanging out of my house? Because um, I I eat really well. I just don't eat healthily. And um, boy, I, I, I drink a lot of wine as well. So I, I totally get all of what you're saying. But I think if I was going to boil down that wonderful uh, uh, view that you just gave us about what's going on in your life, I think that really it's about trying to find, A, control what you can control and forget about yeah. all the rest. And then B... Yeah you know, find your small victories, right? You gotta, you gotta find those little affirmations, whether they're through yourself or through, like you mm -hmm. said, your, your badass board of directors, whoever it is, um, find those little aspects of affirmation so that, because you're right, it never ends, right? So mm -hmm. you could have a goal, but there are so many trials and tribulations as an entrepreneur getting to that goal that um, you have to give yourself a break. You have to sit there yeah. and say, you know what? Today I did that right. Like for me, you were talking about routines. Um, maybe working out's really not on my list, unfortunately. Maybe it should be. Actually, my doctor says it should. Um, <laughs> but, you know, every morning I get up, I make my bed, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it is a, it's a gift to myself and my wife in the future that, Hey, we're, you know, this is, this is my calm space. This is a, yes. this is where we're just going to curl up and, and be vulnerable and let go and just chill or, or, you know, sleep or whatever. But at least it's a, it's a space that has been, um, set and I've already accomplished something today, right? I made my bed and that's, that's pretty, you know, it's a, it's a good foundational way to start. Just like you're, you're lifting your weights, right? I think it's, mm -hmm. I think that's all great. I mean, yeah, it's good stuff. Poison air. I can't yeah. <laughs> Poison air. We can't do, I can't do anything about that today, but I do feel like, you know, having something that makes me feel good, that gives me clarity of mind, that makes my body feel good mm. in the moment and like experiencing some joy first thing. <laughs> Cause you know, A to B every day is more like A to Q, but like we skipped X and like moved. <laughs> like everything is like a mess. You know, it's like a messy, a messy middle, as we call it. And so being able to find like areas for clarity throughout the day, or at least starting your day with a little bit of peace is um, really central to my mental health and well-being. And I find that later uh, in the day, tequila helps. No, no, tequila does help. It does. <laughs> tequila. Oh my goodness. What are we doing? This is, this is, this is the, we, we are quickly shifting from braving business to all sorts of things that are uh, quite the opposite of that. I, I was brave. just going <laughs> to, I was just going to comment that, uh, you know, one routine I've really uh, embraced is meditation and mm. uh, it doesn't, you don't need to meditate for an hour. You can meditate for 10 minutes and I meditate yeah. every day for about 10 minutes. It's how I like to start my day. Another really interesting thing that I've started doing fairly recently within the last couple of months uh, is I'm mindfully brushing my teeth with my opposite hand. And uh, it mm. takes a couple of weeks to start that uh, flowing. But what it does actually is it makes me consciously think about just being mindful, okay? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just the, you know, the rote brushing of your teeth with your dominant hand where you're not even thinking, you're just brushing your teeth. And I, I'm finding that 
doing it with my other hand first it takes some interesting dexterity i didn't realize how 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 good my left hand is at brushing my teeth but um it does also teach you to just shift your mind a little bit and that's really important particularly when you're dealing with all sorts of flying objects coming at you which is very common totally. uh, as an entrepreneur <laughs> interesting yes. that's really cool yeah uh yeah. also alex i want to touch on something really fast so um in another life or in a what I do at night or however you want to say it. Um, I also wrote a podcast with my wife called what the parent, and it's all about teens and tweens. <laughs> and um, it kind of started in the pandemic because we were, you know, we we're a family of blended family of five. So we kind of got all ensconced in together and um, I kind of needed an outlet to bitch about my kids. But outside of that um, it's, it's been a, it's been a really interesting journey into, into like parenting and, and parenting styles and what motivates people and everything like that. So you being, an entrepreneur, you're being a startup, your husband being an entrepreneur, you're CEO of your own house. How have you, uh, how, how has that journey been? How has that juggle been for you? And what lessons have you learned from it? You know, trying to wear many different hats at the same time. Yeah. Well, first of all, like work-life balance is a myth. Like I think we've all <laughs> like, like we should just know that that's like not a possibility. Um, I talk to entrepreneurs a lot about balance and like figuring figuring out the alchemy that works within your household. And you know, what I think of balance is like when you're balancing on one foot, like every bone in your foot, every muscle is moving, right? So that you can balance and stay up. And so if you can think about balance as um something that like requires pulling different levers and requires you giving up in some areas and putting more uh, weight into other sides. Like those are really important. It's really important to give yourself that grace to be able to like maneuver that because th there's so much that happens again, when you're like not in control of other people's lives, like <laughs> um, it's really hard to, you know, manage it all. And so really feeling, I think you said this earlier, we were talking about this earlier, of like controlling what you can control mm -hmm. is so important. Um, in our household, we are extremely open from a communication perspective because we have to be, and, you know, not just like the, Hey, who are you picking up tomorrow? And like, you know, what time are you dropping off or so-and-so has a play date on this day, but more like, Hey, like I'm feeling like I've got this much to give right now. And I need you to put in more. And if you don't have capacity, like we need to find an like outside help. Um, and that can mean like outside help in terms of like someone for people to talk to. That could also mean somebody for like to watch the kids or to clean the house or to do some of those things. And it's it's really open in our house because we have to be. Otherwise, I think resentment builds up across all parties, not just between partners, but really between like kids and your work life, right? Because they're constantly like knocking on your door going, mom, let, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got work to do. And so we've We've been way more open, I think, than um, than I think most families when it comes to like really talking through what it is that each of us are experiencing emotionally, mentally, physically, and um, you know, and spiritually, maybe even. That's beautiful. Well, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. I want to try to squeeze in a couple more, a uh, couple more questions. One, you know, really interesting thing to me. You, you talk a lot about adaptability. That was something that came up multiple times in our in our pre interview, and uh, you are in the process of. Uh, well, you had to adapt because the pandemic uh, caught you kind of uh, caught us all unaware. And uh, and you really had to shift your strategy. And you're currently shifting your strategy again. Uh, you're going down the path of franchising, which is interesting and unique. Um, I'd like to ask you a, a question that I think, you know, um, 
I would be thinking about if I were you, which is you're attempting to do something extraordinarily bold. You're trying to take this thing national, eventually global. Um, How do you keep yourself? What's the self-talk that you use to keep yourself from being overwhelmed by the magnitude of the mission you're pursuing? Yeah. Well, everything is temporary. I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to is like, you know, on the other side of fear is freedom, Mm. right? So if you can push past fear, like the other side of that, it might not be a success or exactly what you planned, but on the other side of it is like freedom from the fear that you just push through. So you have to like, you have to move through. Um, There's no going around it because fear follows you. (laughs) <laughs> if you try to skirt it. Um, and so just, you know, I think when when we've talked about expansion globally, um, you know, it feels really big and feels really like, honestly, it feels like something like how do how do us, our small team accomplish something so large? And I think like when we boil it down, it's really like, what, why are we telling ourselves like, how do like, how could we do this? Um, because we can truly do anything. And so that self-talk, I think, you know, we've started using language like, gosh, if we can get through a pandemic, we can literally do anything. Or what is the worst thing that could happen? And if we look at like, truly, what is the worst thing that could happen? We're not looking at, you know, like, dying, like that (laughs) that doesn't feel like, you know, um, that doesn't feel like the end game here. The end game feels like, oh, we pivot, we pirouette, we find new ways of working, we find new ways of being in relationship with one another. And I don't know. It's like all just part of being human. My co-founder, Bethany, like talks a lot about like the human experience and like, we're just so lucky to participate in it. And so like to get to experience the full spectrum of emotions that humans get to like fear, sadness, uh, you know, joy, elation, like all of those types of things are, um, I think if you can find some gratitude for experiencing that, then the emotion or that like feeling in your gut um, that you're going to fail kind of dissipates a bit because it feels more normal um, as you push through. Well, Churchill awesome. said, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. actually, you know, it's funny. One of my favorite show is uh, uh, Ted Lasso. And there's a great yeah. episode. I think it was in season two. And he talks about rom communism. I don't know if any of you watched the show. But but the point of it was this. You know, if you watch rom-coms, uh, if the heroes haven't gone to a good place, then you know it's not over. And so basically his point is when you're going through a difficult time, uh, just know it's not over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just keep going. Because the, the end of the story, um, you know, you maybe are in the dark forest part of the story, uh, but if you keep going, um, you're going to get to the other side. I have one final question for you, and it's related to raising money. And I know you've done incredibly well in that. Uh, I uh, raised money over the years uh, on multiple ventures. In some cases, I was able to raise tens of millions of dollars. In other cases, I wasn't able to raise a dime. It's a very, very difficult and challenging and uncertain experience for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I'd I'd love uh, for you to give some advice to any entrepreneurs that are listening or watching uh, and are embarking on that part of the journey, uh, which has so much uncertainty. Uh, Can you share some thoughts, even about challenges or setbacks? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the num- difficult, difficult part. The numbers for women and people of color are dismal, right? So, like, it's like one percent of less than one percent of women and people of color receive venture funding out of all of the venture funding. I mean, it's like so dumb. Yeah. Um, what I think is there's a number. There's like so many like you know skills and re- like you have to think of fundraising like a sales strategy, right? So you have to like fill your funnel with a ton of people and then like whittle it down, find the right people, have enough conversations. It's a numbers game, right? So it's like you talk to 300 people, you get 10 yeses, like that's a win. But if you talk to 
50 people and you don't get any no's, it doesn't necessarily mean like the end of it. Right. Um, and just like we were saying, you have to like, you have to be, I think you have to be crazy enough to believe that somebody else is going to believe in this to make the ask of somebody to invest in a company that, you know, doesn't exist or is barely in existence or isn't profitable. I mean, you're asking, you're asking for investment in something that somebody's going to have to take a chance on. And now if we look at, again, if we look at the numbers and you say like, well, you know, we work got millions and millions and millions, billions of dollars, right. Um, in funding in order to like burn it all to the ground. I think like what, if you can tell a, a, the story and have the metrics to back it up and the vision um, for what it can be, I mean, it's um, you'll find the right people. It just takes time. And I think what happens is people quit too early. Um, maybe it's product, maybe it's not product market fit, right? So maybe they don't have, maybe it's not the right time for the business, right? So like there's a number of reasons why businesses don't work out, um, but you have to believe that you're crazy enough. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be crazy enough to believe in yourself. Um, and I think that's something that I really, um, I really embody like, and try, and try to think about with our team is like, this is a wild idea that something like this could exist. It's, it's silly that it's wild that, you know, that, that something like this could exist, but it does because of us. And if we can create this space, um, and, you know, do it on a shoestring budget and do it with like, you know, scrappiness and tenacity, like we can do anything. And so I just like push that on other entrepreneurs. It's like, you can do anything. You have to continue to work hard. And yes, there are so many barriers out there for women of color, for, um, for women overall, like, yes, those are there. And we have to continue to like work harder than everyone else. Um, but you have to believe enough in yourself because if you don't, then like those barriers will will impede you from moving forward. Um, and I just, I think like fundraising is, is not for the light of heart <laughs> and it does take a lot of time and energy, but when you eat notes for breakfast, like, you know, it's kind of like onto the next one, you know, you have to let, let it, let it roll off your back. You, you know, PJ, what really helped me in raising funds is that I got, I got a lot of no's when I was a teenager when I asked people, when I asked girls out. So I, I, could, <laughs> I could handle the no's, you know, I, love that. I was an expert at it. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's well, why I make so many outgoing calls because waiting by the phone in high school never rang. I get it. <laughs> it's like it's a muscle. It's a muscle. Like hearing no and letting it not be a, an emotional experience. Like that's a muscle that you have to build. I think it's a muscle that women, in, in particular, who like fear rejection or anyone who fears rejection, like have to have to navigate. And you know, you just gotta like you gotta move on. A thousand percent correct. Our, our guest today was the, the brilliant and very, very fun Alex West Steinman. She's doing some very, very cool stuff with the Coven. Okay. It's a you know, it's a co-working space for women, non-binary and trans people that, of course, also welcomes men. And uh, I am I'm absolutely enamored with what you're doing. I'm so grateful for you uh, choosing to be our guest today. I know how busy you are. And uh, we look forward to continuing to following your journey. Amazing. I love making time for it. It's so wonderful to, to hang with you all. Check out thepubbin.com. We've got a WeFunder campaign going on right now. We'd love to see you all there. Um, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you for being a part of the Braving Business Podcast listening audience. Be on the lookout for our weekly interviews with fascinating leaders in business and gain insight into their mindset of how they took to braving business in their own lives and careers. Check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and all of your favorite streaming services. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast. 